We now join the Apostle and Prophet Ministry with Pastor Ron Boyd coming to you from Dunbar Township. Come and listen in to the radio station where the mighty hosts of heaven sing. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you want to hear the songs of Zion coming from the land of endless spring, get in touch with God. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ today. This is Brother Ronnie Boyd coming to you again today with the Apostle and Prophet Ministry. And just a little bit, we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus and uh, what the Bible really says about it and what the Scripture teaches about the birth of Jesus. And uh, But first, we're going to have a song uh, from Brother Darren Holler and his wife, Jill. Sister Jill wrote this song. And the song is, It's an Honor. And to really understand what took place when Jesus came to earth, who it really was and is and uh, what he came for and how he came and all the promises that was fulfilled in the Word of God, it is a powerful thing. Uh, even though that we do not celebrate Christmas, now that might sound very strange to you, but we don't celebrate this uh, holiday that man has put together. But uh, we do believe in the birth of Jesus Christ and teach it from the Word of God. And we don't hold this 25th day of December because really that's not his birthday anyway. But we're going to have this song and then we'll get into the Word of God for just a little bit and see what the Word of God has to say about the birth of Jesus Christ and how important and how fantastic and how wonderful the birth of Jesus Christ really really is. So at this time, that song by Brother Darren Haller and his wife Jill.
All right, it's an honor that he chose to live in us. It's also a great and wonderful thing that he came to earth one day and was willing to come down, robe himself in flesh. And I'm talking about God, because the Bible said in 1 Timothy 3.16 that God was manifested in the flesh. And I think about he robed himself in flesh, walked among men, did things among them that no other man had ever done, and yet they rejected him and didn't want him. It's hard to understand. There was some that did, and there was some that followed him and received the blessings of God and received salvation. But it was a wonderful thing when he came. And sometimes we just don't realize how much was involved in the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, was he born on December 25th? No, I don't think so at all. And there's no record in the Bible, there's no place that said he was born on the 25th of day of December. And that was man-made. And uh, they came with a uh, birthday of somebody else and uh, a festival that they had in Rome uh, for centuries before Jesus was ever born. And they just substituted that and brought Jesus into the picture and thought that they could mix up heathen practices with uh, the true and undefiled word of God. You can't do that. You can't sit at the table of devils and the table of the Lord at the same time. And uh, the word of God is pure and undefiled. And uh, you don't add to it. You don't take away from it. You can't fix it. It's already forever settled in heaven. So that's where the air come in. And uh, there is no place. And there was a reason for that. There's no place in the Word of God that you can find. I've challenged people for many years. Find it, show it to me. Where God told us to remember His birth in any particular way like the world does, you know, and giving of gifts and everything else. And um, I, I cannot find where the apostles uh, celebrated in any way the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, they wrote about it. That's why we have that record today that we do have. And uh, prophets prophesied of it. It was promised clear back in the Garden of Eden. A lot of people don't grasp this and don't understand it, but that was the beginning of the promise. And uh, actually, in the book of Revelation, it said that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So God had a plan in mind because he knew men was going to fall. And uh, so <clears throat> realizing that he loved man so much that he was willing to put a plan of action which involved him himself coming, wrapping himself in flesh that he might suffer at Calvary. And to do that, uh, there's a verse of scripture in the second chapter of Hebrews about verse 14. And talking about God now, he said, As the children was partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of the death. So Jesus appeared many times in the Old Testament. Now somebody say, oh, that wasn't Jesus. Now that, that was the Father or that was uh, Jehovah or Yahweh. You hear all that. I said it was Jesus because Jesus made a statement in the eighth chapter of the book of John. And he said this to those that was rejecting him at that time, didn't believe him. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I want you to think about that. And uh, when Abraham met Melchizedek, now I've heard different interpretations of what they think that was. 
But I'm just going to go with this. I believe it was Jesus Christ. I believe it was the high priest of God. God became his own high priest and uh, met Melchizedek. There was a reason for that. I don't want to get into the, to that on this broadcast, but some really deep teachings on that. But uh, let's go back to Genesis in the third chapter in verse 15. And this was after that the serpent had beguiled Eve and she uh, was deceived and uh, did what she did. And she gave to Adam and he took part of it also. And it brought the fall of man. But there was something that was said, and God said this. He said, I'm going to put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. So there was going to be a seed, not of man now, a seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Well, Eve uh, thought when uh, Cain was born, she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And I think it seems like that she believes that that was that seed of the woman. But I don't believe that at all because I got Bible in Galatians, the fourth chapter and the fourth verse. It said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. When the fullness of time was come, he was talking about Mary. And uh, Mary was the one that uh, had the child and it was the seed of the woman. Man had nothing to do with it. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her. And uh, she conceived, and she brought forth that child. So that was in the fullness of time, whenever that was time for Jesus to come on the scene. And uh, for God himself, he came as a little baby, and he came at the appointed time. He was also the promised seed that was promised to, Je uh, to uh, uh, Abraham. If you remember that story, uh, in the 12th chapter, of the book of Genesis and about verse 3 and verse 7 both talk about it. And uh, it, there was a seed promised to Abraham. And uh, most people look at that and say, well, that was Isaac. Well, we know that Isaac was the natural, but there was something beyond that. If you go to Galatians, the third chapter, and read verse 16, it reads like this. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So Christ then was also the promised seed of Abraham. He was promised in the garden, and then again he is promised here, uh, to be the promised seed of Abraham. And uh, so that seed came down through time. Now, another place where it crops up, and these are beautiful prophecies, and I'm talking about the birth of Jesus today, and uh, maybe a little differently than what the world's doing and what they're talking about. I, I seen, in fact, the other day I was doing a little traveling, and uh, I seen uh, uh, a manger scene. And uh, it was beside a church. And uh, then on the other side of the manger, manger scene was, here comes Santa Claus with his sleigh, reindeers, and they was heading to uh, the manger scene. Now, they thought that was a wonderful illustration. And what they're doing there is trying to mix heathen uh, practices, 
contrary to the Word of God, lies and everything, and make it part of the Word of God. You can't do that. You cannot do that. God will not have it. That's an abomination in the eyes of God whenever we try to do that. That's what this world has done with something that was so beautiful and so precious as the birth of Jesus. Another thing, on this 25th day of December, they claimed that that was the birth. And this is interesting. We cannot deny the fact that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. All right, whenever he came to John to be baptized, the third chapter of Matthew there, uh, John made a statement and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now I want you to think about that. Jesus was the Lamb of God. I happened to be at a lumberyard recently and uh, getting some lumber, and there was another fellow there also getting some lumber, and we got talking. Turned out that he was a farmer. And uh, in our conversation, I had asked him you know, what kind of farming he did or something like that. And uh, he said uh, that he raised sheep, not cattle, but sheep. And I had heard this, so, boy, that question came right up in my mind. I said, I got a question for you. I said, um, when are most sheep born? And uh, what time of the year? And he said, well, in the springtime. He said, now, occasionally there'll be one maybe late January or February, but he said most of the lambs are born in the spring of the year. Now, he didn't say nothing about the fall or the summer. He said in the spring of the year. So I had heard that before. Now, I never raised sheep, so I wasn't sure. So I asked this man, and he confirmed that very statement. Now, if Jesus was the Lamb of God, then I believe that he was not born in the wintertime, but I believe he was born in the spring of the year. And then there's other indications in the Word of God that point to that very much. And uh, so I, I look at these things, and I see what man has done, how he has corrupted the Word of God, trying to mix pagan things in with the precious, precious Word of God, the things that God did, how great and wonderful the things that God has done. And uh, so, uh, again, we get back into the Word of God, and we know that not only was the uh, promised seed of of Abraham, uh, but we read another promise in the Word of God that Moses spoke, and it's found in Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, about the 18th verse. And Moses spoke about a day that there would be a prophet come upon the face of the earth, and uh, like Moses, and all the people was going to have to hear that prophet. And uh, who was that prophet that he was speaking about? He was talking about Jesus Christ. Well, in Luke, the 24th chapter, verse 9, uh, Jesus, after the resurrection, is walking along the road, and there was two disciples, I think it was, and one of them was named Cleopas. And uh, they did not recognize Jesus at this point. So they're walking with him, and he asked them, he said, why are you sad? What's going on? Well, he knew, but he's just trying to, uh, he wants to reveal himself to them, but he starts all these questions, and, and they said, well, are you a stranger? Don't you know what has happened? And they begin to describe how that he was crucified and uh, put in a tomb, and some of them have been to the tomb and say he's not there. And so they're talking like that as they're walking on the road to Emmaus. And he began to teach them from the prophets and from Psalms and uh, from Moses, the law, all things concerning himself. And finally said it, meet with them in their house, if you read the whole story. And uh, they 
recognized him when they began to break bread with him there at the house. And But Cleopas said something to him. He said uh, about Jesus, he said he was a prophet, mighty in word and in deed. And what these things are in the New Testament fulfilling prophecies that was spoken in the Old Testament, confirmation. So Moses spoke about him then. And then we find in Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel, about the 7th chapter, verses 12 and 16, he was the promised seed of David. David, God had made David a promise that his seed would set up on the throne of Israel forever. He made him a promise that his son would build the house. And we know that there was, again, the natural Solomon. Solomon built the temple. But really, that wasn't the uh, spiritual side of that promise. The spiritual side was when Jesus Christ came, he was the seed of David. And you'll find that in Romans uh, first chapter and verse 3. But uh, he was the seed of David after the flesh. And uh, we also know what Jesus said to his disciples one day over in the book of Matthew. And he said this, he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Well, they had different ideas. They'd heard different things. And then he asked them directly, who do you think I am? Well, Peter spoke up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said to him, he said, now, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, that my father, which is in heaven, he revealed that. And uh, so then something else was said. He said, and upon this rock, he said, you know, that uh, Peter was going to be called Cephas, which was his interpretation of stone. And he said, uh, but upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So then actually you go back to that seventh chapter of the book of Second Samuel, where he's talking to David about his son would build the house. He was actually spiritually talking about Jesus Christ, the son of David, and he's going to build the house. He's going to build the church and uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Every time that man built the temple, you can read it through history, uh, it was destroyed at some point in time by man. But I'm going to tell you one thing. When Jesus builds the house, it will not be destroyed by man. It said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we find another promise about the coming birth of Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about, all this. Now you go to Isaiah, all right? And here's another wonderful prophecy. It's in the seventh chapter of Isaiah, about verse 14. And it said, a virgin. Now God was going to give them a sign. They even know that the king at that time said he, he didn't want a sign. And he said, no, I'm going to give you a sign now. He said, a virgin will conceive and bring forth a child, a son, and uh, thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Well, that's in the Old Testament. That's in the book of Isaiah, 7th chapter, verse 14. Well, you go up to the book of Matthew, the first chapter, verse uh, 23, they're uh, talking about the birth of Jesus, and there's the confirmation. Not only did the angel say, thou shalt call his name Jesus, in verse 21, for he shall save his people from their sin, but in verse 23, here is confirmation of that particular prophecy back in Isaiah. And it said that his name would be called Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. So again, we have confirmation in the Word of God about the birth of Jesus and coming and uh, what was going to happen. So that's very interesting whenever we begin to find uh, these prophecies in the Word of God. 
<clears throat> then you find in Isaiah 9 and 6, it said, uh, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And I don't have time in this broadcast to even break that scripture down and begin to preach on it because uh, you could go for hours just on those names and preaching about how Jesus fulfilled every bit of that. But uh, we find in John 3.16 uh, a, a scripture that is quoted an awful lot in the world today. Now look at John 3.16. It's a fulfillment of Isaiah 9 and 6. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's a fulfillment of what Isaiah said in the ninth chapter, verse 6. And unto us a child is born, and a son is given. And uh, he was born in Bethlehem, and then he was given at Calvary. So we find that it's because God loved the world that that event took place. And um, then you go to Malachi 3, is another confirmation of the Word of God. And, and it said... Uh, that the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Then you come up to the New Testament, and there's just a lot of places. A couple of them would be Luke, the second chapter, when the baby was brought to the temple of God. Then later on, when he was 12 years old, he sat in the temple. And uh, then later on, he uh, rebuked the money changers, drove them out of the temple. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, confirmation in the New Testament. And even in the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, when he was at uh, the uh, at his Nazareth, at his own hometown, how he went to the synagogue, and he got up and stood and read and told them, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel and what he was going to do. That was a fulfillment of another chapter in the book of Isaiah. And uh, he said, today is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. So there's powerful, powerful things. When Jesus came uh, in to, to be born there in Bethlehem, and he had to be born in Bethlehem at that certain place because another prophecy goes clear back to Micah. And uh, in Micah, the fifth chapter, verses 1 and 2, it names the town of Bethlehem, and then uses another expression, Eprata, of Eprata. Now, what was the reason for those two names? There was a reason, and uh, because Jesus was going to be our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And when Melchizedek, back there in Genesis, met Abraham, Melchizedek brought the bread and he brought the wine. And uh, I want you to know that Jesus... When he came, he actually brought the bread and the wine. He said that I am the bread that came down from heaven. Then he took the cup and he said, this, that was a cup of wine, is the New Testament in my blood, which was shed for many for the remission of sin. So he actually brought the bread and the wine. When it said in the book of Micah that he would be born there, he said, out of uh, thee shall come one that shall rule. It was talking about Jesus. And uh, uh, Bethlehem means the house of bread. So he came to the house of bread. Eprata means a fruitful place. And uh, when Jesus offered that cup that night, when they took that last supper, he said, 
uh, it was the fruit of the vine. And so Ephrata and Bethlehem was being fulfilled. That prophecy cleared back there in the fifth chapter of Micah, uh, and it was being fulfilled at that time. There was another prophecy also being fulfilled, and that was found in Isaiah or in uh, Genesis, I'm sorry, in Genesis, the 49th chapter, and uh, about verse 10, uh, you can read this if you want to, but it talks about Judah, and had many things to say about Judah, and uh, said that a lawgiver would not pass from between the feet of Judah until Shiloh come. And who is Shiloh? Shiloh, that means the peaceable one. When Jesus was born, I believe the shepherds heard something like this. Peace on earth, good will toward men. If they will receive Jesus, he will give us his peace. He did tell his disciples, he said, My peace I leave with you, not as the world giveth, but as I give. I see our time is going again today. We'll see you next week, same time, same station, with the Apostle and Prophet Ministry. Listening to the Apostle and Prophet Ministry with Pastor Ron Boyd, inviting you to join him again next Sunday morning at this same time here on WMBS.